My maternal grandmother was a typical East Arkansas Delta woman. And I always remember that whenever she would leave us after a visit, she'd inevitably say exactly the same thing to me and my brother. Grandma would say, now boys, be pretty. Don't act ugly. My grandmother liked everyone to just be nice. She had a real aversion to conflict and confrontation. To her, good behavior was just everyone being nice to one another and very civil. So if Grandma Curtin had been present in this gospel today, I am certain she would have admonished Jesus to just be pretty. She'd be saying, now Jesus, don't act ugly. Everyone's going to get all upset. But, of course, Jesus wouldn't have any of that. In considering this gospel today, most biblical scholars will point out that this familiar story of Jesus is depicted very differently in the Gospel of John than in the synoptic Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The most obvious difference is where this story, this event, is placed in the overall life of Jesus. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the story occurs in the last week of Jesus' life nearing his death. And in fact, the event serves as a catalyst that leads to his arrest. However, in the Gospel of John, the story happens in chapter 2, early in the book. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, actually immediately after he performs his first miracle of turning the water into wine at the wedding of Cana. Wow, that's pretty different, right? What an incredible discrepancy. Someone called the biblical literalist. This should be reported. Did the gospel writers all simply remember it differently? It was a lot of years after the event before any of this was actually written down. I was thinking maybe it's sort of like when my kids remember an event from our family history. Now remember, I've got four children who are all adults. At least they're supposed to be. And occasionally someone will remember something that happened in the family history, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago even. And there will be four completely different versions of the story. And then, of course, there's the fifth correct version, <laughs> which is mine. It doesn't carry a lot of weight. Now, I, I think that certainly impacts the differences in these Gospels, but I think the real difference lies in John's purpose, how he's wanting 
to use the story in his gospel. John uses the story to announce the inauguration of a new era. One in which the grace of God is no longer mediated and accessed through cultic sacrifice, but instead is available to everyone, to all who receive Jesus as God's Messiah. Now, on the other hand, Matthew, Mark, and Luke basically use the story to describe how Jesus defended the poor, responding from very much a justice perspective to poor people being exploited in the temple. But John's saying something different. John's saying, y'all, it's a new day. We don't have to go through any temple or any specific cultic practices or liturgy to encounter the living God. Things have changed. It's easy to see what John is responding to when this gospel was written years after the temple actually had been destroyed. That's why when Jesus literally cleans house, that he's challenged by the temple establishment to qualify how on earth he can do such a thing what are you doing, Jesus? And Jesus declares his response, his warrant for doing what he's done is this temple will be destroyed and rebuilt in three days. Of course, when he says this to this crowd, the religious establishment, right? Guys like me who get to dress up, think that, in charge. <laughs> when he says that, as is so often the case even today in the church, they think he's talking about the building, the physical structure. But of course, Jesus is talking about his body as the temple, his incarnational physical structure. His body will be destroyed and then raised again. You see, this gospel doesn't just speak to those temple status quo maintainers way back when John's gospel speaks directly to us today. As we reluctantly face the decline and disintegration of the institutional church, it's scary stuff, I know. It speaks to us as we deal with the fear and anxiety that this building and this institution might not be here as we know it for our grandchildren. Yes, John was not 
recording a specific factual history of an event. John was asserting a confession of faith for the first century church. And that confession of faith can speak to us today as well. John, as always, was going for a deeper theological point that speaks to that fear and anxiety that we have about the church today. And I suppose since Grandma Curtin has been long gone to her reward, maybe 25 years, I can get away with saying Grandma was wrong. Sometimes we need someone to shake us up, to act ugly. Sometimes we need someone to be not so pretty. Sometimes it simply shouldn't be all nice. Sometimes we need someone to speak the truth in love. Sometimes we need someone to allow the Holy Spirit to move through their lives, to shake us up out of our comfortable patterns and customs and practices in our faith community so that we can encounter the living God, so that we can encounter God in that temple that is Jesus Christ, so we can encounter God in Christ's body that we truly know is the church. Amen.